Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Living Streams podcast. I'm your host, Brandon, and today I'm joined by two very special guests, Tammy Valdez and Joel Fritz. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. So nice to be here. <laughs> Joel, you look so comfortable right now. I, I love feel it. so comfortable <laughs> anytime I'm with you, Brandon. That's great. Well, today we're going to be talking about um, the topic of work. As you both know, we're doing a series right now at Living Streams called The Other Hours. And there's this line that David keeps using, which I just love, and it's, God doesn't want to make you good at uh, church. He wants to make you good at life. And so today we're going to be discussing this, this topic of, um, of occupation, of what you do for probably the majority of your life besides sleeping. And so, um, so yeah, so we're just going to lo- jump right in. Uh, Joel, you had a sermon a few weeks ago um, on this topic, and so and you, you decided being, being uh, a big surf fanatic as you are, you decided to use That's this right. uh, <laughs> this great um, Hawaiian phrase. What, what was it? It was kuleana. Kuleana. Could you explain that to us? What, what does that mean? What, how does that connect with the topic of work, which is the topic that you were kind of instructed yeah. to preach on? Well, I'm a guy who's stuck in Arizona, but always wishes I could live in Hawaii or something like that and be by the water. And so I love Hawaii. It's a great place. I've been there a few times. But they have these really cool words for different things. And uh, lately, I've keyed into this word kuleana. Um, It's a Hawaiian word that was actually really used uh, to define a land act back in the 1800s. And um, what this land act was is that uh, people were coming into uh, Hawaiian islands and everybody wanted a piece of the beauty. And so it was really starting to tax the, uh, or actually stop the locals from being able to uh, stay on the land that their families had been on for so long. They were having some other problems like farmers were not able to get their water, things like that, because everybody's making a land grab and surrounding these little farmers. And so they had to put these laws into place. Well, as the years went on, people started to talk about their kuleana in a special way. And if you actually look up the definition of kuleana, what it means is responsibility or stewardship. Mm -hmm. But in order to actually understand the word, you have to know that backstory that I just mentioned, because that's their heritage. That's who they are. And so their kuleana even has become a part of who they are. So when the Hawaiians talk about kuleana, they're talking about not just the responsibility of the land that they were given or to tend back in the 1800s through the uh, through modern times, but they're talking about how the land is a part of who they are. So their responsibility is a part of who they are. And I'm able to relate that to the, the situations that I see for people all the time, that I believe God has given each one of us a kuleana. Hmm. And that kuleana is not land anymore like it was for the Hawaiians and uh, the Israelites, but our kuleana is people. And I get that because I believe that Jesus Kuliana was people. We see that evidenced in his life when he walked here. He didn't care about the land. He didn't care about the office. He didn't even want to restore the king to Israel or even give Israel back its land from the Romans. What Jesus cared about was people. And so he's given each one of us a Kuliana of people to care for and steward. Okay. And so so for you as um, as a pastor at Living Streams and soon to be a a pastor, what do you used to call it? A pastor, pastor at large. A pastor right? at large <laughs> in Italy. You're about to about to set sail in a in a few weeks here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's pretty obvious, you know what I mean. The connection between your stewardship of people when you're in the business of people. But what is what does that look like um, outside of outside of the ministry context? I also ask you to to join me here. Tammy, you've been a part of the, the corporate world for, for a number of years in a number of different capacities. And um, obviously, this, this whole thing of work is and dealing with responsibility of people is more than just ministry. It's also life itself. So how do you see um, 
your like the people that you worked in the corporate setting how how did you steward that in such a way that you saw it as a as your own responsibility or your own kuleana if you want to use Joel's <laughs> phrase there well funny thing i never had children and so i actually looked at my employees as this is my legacy this is mm-hmm. what i'm leaving and so developing each individual to their fullest potential which i'm not a person that decides that um, here's what you should do, but really discover what your gifting is mm-hmm. and, and put you in the right place on the bus so that you can succeed because if you succeed, then I succeed by default. And uh, I was always very competitive. And so my, my whole philosophy as a leader was to clear the obstacles out of the runway so that they can take off and fly and be mm-hmm. who God created them to be even though it's in the corporate world, um, it's still the same concepts as leadership in any other organization. So um, in order to do that, you have to use your time intentionally. There's only so many hours a day that we all get, and one person can become the best in their field, like an Olympic athlete. Mm-hmm. versus somebody else who likes to watch TV all day. Right. And it's the same in the corporate world. And mm-hmm. so really just being intentional about where you're spending your time is that stewardship or kuleana in the business world. That's really awesome. Yeah. I want to jump in there too because Tammy said something about how many hours there are in a day. Mm-hmm. And when David first talked about his idea for the other hours, it struck me. And the thing that struck me is that I think as Americans we're always talking about how many hours we actually have in the day, right? And we're thinking what we can do with those hours. We're trying to time manage and compartmentalize and all that. And a while back at church, we saw this video um, and it was with all these different jelly beans uh, and each jelly bean was an hour in your life. And eventually, and they ascribed a different color to each thing that we do, Uh, things like sleeping. And you see how much sleep actually takes up of your life. And when you look at all these jelly beans in a year, you go, that's a lot of jelly beans I have to do with, and, and I get to kind of choose where they go. Well, as Americans, we do like to compartmentalize those things. But the problem is I think that oftentimes we look at church and the things that we do that are spiritual or mm-hmm. sacred. Uh, we look at the extra jelly beans that are left over after we've been at work, after we've slept, after we've uh, spent time with the family, if you will, things like that. And um, I got to thinking about that, and, and, and what, I, what I really see is that that whole idea of those leftover hours getting applied to the things that we do with God or for God, it would really be a problem if, if that's right, where we absolutely. concentrated our energy on. Really, it's what Tammy's talking about. It's what do you do with the hours at work? You know, how do you really live? How do you allow the Lord to saturate every hour of your life and to become a foundation for your life? Because if there's one thing I've come to know about God, He doesn't want a little bit. He wants the whole thing. He wants all of us. And so asking those questions, I think, can then be very helpful to live a life like Tammy's talking about that's invested in the people um, at the hours at work. Totally. I, I think that's so good. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I, I took a note of that line that you said in your sermon where you said God doesn't want to use just your, your leftover, your extra hours at the end of the week. Like He wants to redeem the whole thing. And I really loved how you brought up that idea of redemption because that really is like as, as Christians, we're in this the ministry of reconciliation. And I think that that manifests itself in a variety of different places, not just in the hour or two that we spend at church or the hour hours we spend at home with our families, but it's when we're engaging in the work that God has given us. And I think oftentimes in the church, the idea of work honestly gets a bad rap. 
You know what I mean? It's like this is kind of a thing you do in this compartmentalized part of your life where it's like, okay, we talk about that sometimes, maybe, but really what's important is like, you know, are you are you studying the Bible or are you like praying and that kind of thing, which is obviously God cares about that, but it's it's this idea of of a holistic life where um everything that we're doing is is supposed to reflect the glory of God and we're supposed to see redemption enter into that. And so I think um, I'm really just glad you brought up that idea that there's not a divide between the things in our life that are sacred and these kind of ideas that are that are secular. It's like God wants the whole thing. And so, um, I mean, T- Tammy, you've obviously, you've being a devout Christian, living in a corporate setting. And I know right before we started this podcast, you said that for, for a long time, there was there was a battle with finding your identity in your work um, rather than in um, in the person of Jesus Christ. And so can, can you just kind of address like that issue of where do we find the balance between I want to do my work with excellence, I want to do it well, and, I, and, um, and almost allowing that to become an idol in your life? Yeah, not almost, for <laughs> sure, for me. Um, so finding the balance is difficult. Um, for me, I did find my identity in my title that was behind my name on my business card and so um, that's a dangerous place to be when all I wanted to do was climb that next rung in the corporate ladder Um, I wasn't going to be happy till I hit CEO and that didn't happen before the Lord said okay enough of this Mm -hmm. time for you to reset and so then when I'm resetting it's you're sitting there thinking okay who am I and so one of the fasts that we did here at Living Streams um, in January, I fasted from distractions for one hour a day. That mm. sounds pretty easy. It was the hardest thing I ever did. <laughs> Much prefer to go without food. Um, but I literally sat in a room with no, no electronics, mm. sat in a room in silence for an hour. Now, I didn't meditate, but I, I just said, Lord, what do you want me to know? And that was it. And I sat there, and by minute two, I'm like, where's the clock? <laughs> right, <laughs> so, right. Um, but I made myself sit there, and uh, the answer I got was, I want you to know your identity in me. Mm. And um, it was like, what do you mean? You know. And I realized, wow, okay, everything has been about work. I've literally sacrificed my family time, my uh, health everything took a back seat because I made an idol out of work because all of a sudden I was making sacrifices to my work. Wow. Uh, sorry, can't meet, meet you guys for dinner because I'm working. Um, and it almost got to where it was a bragging thing to mm. be busy. Yeah. And then I realized, how sick am I? This is really, I mean, I'm literally a workaholic. And, try, and so recovering meant not putting myself in a position where I could strive or I could try to earn my value. Mm. And uh, the, the Lord has just been really gracious, um, really thankful that I didn't have like a heart attack or something to right, learn this yeah. lesson. Uh, but it is the balance comes in realizing that, you know what, I can work until I fall down and collapse and who have I served? I didn't mm. serve my team because now my team doesn't have a healthy leader. I didn't serve my family. So finding a way to take a Sabbath rest. Um, Every week, I definitely set aside one day where I 
tried not to look at my phone, but I've definitely worshipped and spent time thinking about the Lord and reflecting, and that made me more effective. And then taking time, setting a vacation regularly. Yeah. Um, and the hardest thing is this, this uh, culture will make you feel guilty mm-hmm. when you're not at work, and Absolutely. it's a lie from the enemy. So. <laughs> that's really good. And, that, and that's not just in the corporate world. Nope. I mean, Joel, you and I are in vocational ministry, you know what I mean? And it's, the temptation is there, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're in a business where we're serving people, you know what I mean? And I, I've, I've talked to you outside of this, this context, and we've talked about the early years when you first stepped into ministry and, and some, that struggle that you felt between, or, and I've, I've talked to your wife as well, like the challenge of balancing, I'm, I'm serving people, I'm doing a good thing, I'm, I'm, I'm being responsible with this kuleana the Lord's given me. I'm, I'm serving people, but at the same time, there's, there's a detriment to the other hours of your life beyond just what you're doing in, in work. So how, how, what was that process like for you entering into ministry and then, um, and then really like kind of learning how to strike a good balance where now you're in a place where you've got a healthy family? I know you're not having arrived, but I, you know, like, I know for a fact, like I've, I've sat with you for long enough and I've lived life with you long enough that... Um, you've kind of struck a place where you've figured out a little bit more of how mm-hmm. to, to balance ministry and the other um, aspects of your life. If you could just kind of fill us in on, yeah. on that journey that you've gone on. Yeah, well, at first, um, I, when, you, when you think about pastoral ministry or ministry in general, uh, hopefully that is actually on everybody's mind, not just the mind of a pastor. Uh, I think right. Tammy is a great example of that. So it's really wonderful. And pay attention to her words, listeners, because <laughs> she has that real-life experience. But when you go into ministry, you think, well, if I'm doing this good thing, then I can never do enough of it. And, and ultimately, there really is this struggle that you learn over decades that you, uh, you are actually fighting with whether or not you're the Savior or Jesus is the Savior mm-hmm. of people. Um, and that's something you have to reconcile because if you're doing ministry and everything that you do with somebody else is a good thing, then you can never do too much good. But then you start to see the things that make it sacrifice in your life, like what do your relationships look like with people? Do you have deep relationships? Do you have shallow relationships? If you, and then you, you meet somebody and you fall in love, and, and then you start to have to pay attention and nurture that relationship. But really, you feel you, you, if, if you're unhealthy, you begin to feel like that relationship is supposed to prop up this other uh, time that you're, you're spending somewhere else, that you're only supposed to draw from that person and not having to give to that person. Hmm. But a healthy relationship is always reciprocal. reciprocal. Uh, you say there's a give and a take. You right. share something with them, and they give something to you. It's not a consumer-oriented relationship, which is right. very natural for us as Americans. We love that in our culture. Um, but we have to recognize those things. So really what I think happens is that you begin to realize there can be too much of a good thing. And more importantly, I'm not the savior of people. Jesus is the savior of people. And if I'm going to let him do any work, then I've got to get out of the way. And good things happen. In fact, the better things happen when I get out of the way, not when I'm right in the middle of it. And I like to use, uh, I thought of an example earlier. Hopefully I can remember it. (laughs) I'm not supposed to forget it while I'm actually... Uh, recording when you we were talking earlier. Um, well, you got to keep talking, and maybe it'll well, come back to me. Can I chime in? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, one of the things that woke me up to there is too much of a good thing is really reading that on the seventh day God rested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He doesn't need a nap. He's got more energy than yeah. any of us. Yeah. And so, why did He rest? And I realized that that can mean something totally different. 
And it was he looked at what he had done and he was satisfied. Mm, that's good. Um, and that being satisfied, for me, I translate that into being content with, okay, this is what I got done this week. And just that little switch of I'm satisfied instead of, ooh, there's 15 mm -hmm. other things I needed to yeah. get done where you're winding yeah. yourself up during your resting time. Mm -hmm. um, just that little second of being content with whatever it is that you got done, uh, that starts to change mm -hmm. how we how we are with everybody else, our effectiveness. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. And I remember this thing, and it's exact. So she gets into the rest, and she starts talking mm -hmm. about the rest. And when you were asking that question a few minutes ago, the thing that popped into my mind first was vacation. Yeah. And so I wanted to tell the illustration, but I knew I had to explain it. And so. What, what used to happen to me is that I would feel like I was trying to sneak off to take a day off. So like I loved, I was in my 20s, early 20s doing pastoral ministry and I loved to snowboard and the snow would fall and I'd be like, don't tell anybody, but I'm going to go snowboarding, right? And I didn't want anybody to know about it. And then I would go on vacation, you know, and you're, gonna, you're actually going to take an entire week off to go on vacation. Well, let's just not tell anybody. And then maybe half the people won't know I'm gone. Somewhere after pastoring for about 10 years, I realized just how false that was and how I wasn't resting and I wasn't flipping that switch like uh, Tammy was just talking about a second ago. And I realized that I needed to be mature enough to come forward with it mm -hmm. and say, is it a good thing or is it not a good thing? And if we say it's a good thing, then I'm going to tell everybody I'm going on vacation. That's and right. so for the last 10 years, probably about 10 years, it may only be eight, uh, my family, my wife's family lives on the other side of the country. And so we make the decision every single year to take two weeks out there. And I unashamedly tell everybody I possibly can. Right. I put the email out. I put it. I tell people I'm not going to be here. I ask them not to interrupt my vacation unless it's an emergency. I, gr I invite them if it is an emergency. But then you know what? I go on vacation, and I don't think about the things yeah. back here. And I come back a better person, and my family is blessed from it. The people on my team are blessed from it. Uh, the whole thing. And they, I just, but what is it? I let go of the fear. I flip the switch and say, God rested and I need this. And this is a good thing. And it has always worked out better since I've made that uh, decision. That's really good. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that um, there's oftentimes kind of a misunderstanding um, of what real work is. I think that people oftentimes get in this mindset where it's like the 40 hours a week that I spend in the office, that's work. But it's not like family, that's not really, that's in a different category entirely. And I think, um, I love this definition that Tim Keller gives of work where he says it's anything that you're doing that contributes to human flourishing. So in the beginning, we were given a mandate to go and subdue the earth and, and, and create something beautiful out of the raw materials that God's given us. And so we do that, you know, if we're, if we're working for full-time, it's 40 or 50 or 60 hours a week in our occupation. If you're in ministry, that can look a, very different than it is in the corporate world, but it's all working towards the same goal, which is bringing God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven in a, in a way that's a little bit different than maybe we look at in, in the Christian world oftentimes. And I think, um, Joel, you made a great point on, on Sunday when you talked about um, using your work as an opportunity to see the kingdom of God advance, see the advancement of the Great Commission. But I think people oftentimes think about work is only a means to an end for me to be an evangelist or whatever. When it's really not true, I really do believe that 
we're not supposed to sacrifice the creation mandate of subduing and creating something beautiful at the expense mm-hmm. or, or um, of the great com- or the great commandment, which or a great commission, great I guess. Yep. So, um, so if we could just kind of talk about finding that balance of like work is is a really good thing. It's a means to an end, but it's also an end in and of itself. If you look in the um, last chapters of the Bible, you're going to see there's people in in the new creation that are working, that they're continuing to develop. And whoa, whoa, creative. whoa, Brandon. You're blowing <laughs> so, our minds here, okay? There might be work in heaven. Are you there might me? be. Whoa. Hey, hey, so, hey. I thought I was going to float around on a cloud. <laughs> and, and, and exactly. And so many people in the church have this mentality that, well, you know, if what am I? What am I even doing here? You know, I mean, we have this idea that's coming from this uh, this misconception in the Middle Ages that you know what happens here on Earth just kind of gets burned up in the end, doesn't really matter. What it's our spiritual life, this one hour a week that we kind of spend in church, that's what really matters. And I think that we're finally in a place in the Western Church where we're starting to realize, like, no, actually, that's not really that's not really right. What we're doing actually is significant, not just in ministry, but also in the corporate world or whatever you may be doing. So um, there's a question I'd love to ask you guys about about this idea of calling, because that is something that I think, especially as a young person, I'm in my in my early 20s. And I think people in my generation are oftentimes asking this question, what's my purpose? What's my calling? And I think that it's it's pretty obvious, you know, when you're when you're in ministry, I think that there's a little bit more like people in the church kind of give you a pat on the back, like, yeah, that's a calling. But if you choose to go into business, like, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> how do you how do you address that issue of um, of calling? Is is work a calling? Is is a, is vocation something that you can be called to besides just work in the church? You want to go first? Sure. Yeah. I absolutely believe that yes, it is, and. Uh, at different times in your years on this earth, that calling can be different, which can throw you for a little bit of a loop. You think, mm-hmm. I'm on the right path. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. All of a sudden, the path turns, and hey, what happened? Did I miss something? And uh, so I identified pretty early on um, in my career that, wow, I'm well, the first big thing I learned was I'm a good salesperson. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. You can make a lot of money being a good salesperson. But then the next thing I learned was, well, that influence can be used to lead people. Mm-hmm. And I found out, oh, I'm a good people leader. And then that grows and, oh, I'm a really good trainer. I'm good at training people. And uh, towards the end, I realized I'm a really good administrator. I can... I can be the executive over a large group of people and keep them all focused on the vision and where where they're headed. And in that process, they're each fulfilling their calling, assuming they don't get in a position to where they're miserable. So I actually would help them, vet them to figure out where would they fit Hmm. by figuring out what what behavioral styles were they born with and matching that to what the role was so that I don't have somebody who's a total introvert, you know, needing to talk to people all day because they're going to be exhausted and vice versa. Somebody who's a total extrovert sitting in a computer room where you're not allowed to say a word all day. Um, So really just matching what their gifts are with what is available. And so by calling is really being able to identify what are their gifts mm-hmm. and where where do they fit and helping them grow and develop into that place that's and really so good. that's 
what my calling has been in the corporate world. And now that I'm partially retired, it's what I donate my time to help nonprofits. That's great. It's like your calling is helping other people find their calling. I really like that. So, yeah, exactly. Just if you want to say, Joel. Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> first off, if you, after being a pastor for a while, I just can't imagine a world that would actually function if everybody <laughs> was just doing ministry. I mean, right. simple example would be like when I, I mean, I get hungry and I want to want to get go get something to eat, pay some money to feed me. And I show up, and maybe it's something like, you know, like, man does not live by bread alone, <laughs> but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. Well, it's just not going to cut it. Like, I need, I need a little food every now and then. Um, and so we can be overly spiritual about these things mm-hmm. and to the detriment of the church, actually, yeah. because right. they're, it's so functional. Like, the Lord has given us things to do. And if you read through the Old Testament, you look at the New Testament— and one of Paul's favorite things to say to people is to get a job. You yeah. know? Like, like he says, is feed your family, make sure you're caring for people. Thieves, you know, get a job so that you have something to give instead of steal. And, and so I just love all that. Um, but then to follow up with what Tammy was saying, uh, the way I see it is, you know, people have a passion that's within them, and, and our culture really wants to uncover that. Sometimes that's gone a little too far. I think I've seen that go too far in some senses in that, we're always looking for our passion, and we actually ignore some of the practical stuff that just needs to get done. Absolutely. And I've become a proponent of this idea that would just simply say, uh, what's your calling? Well, your calling is probably going to find, or vocation that falls within your calling, might be even a more specific way to say it, is really that place where your passion and need collide. And if you find a, if you find a need that you, that you can um, exhibit your passion or live into your passion, meeting this need, then you've probably found a pretty good place. And it, I don't know if it really gets all that much better because you're going to do work anywhere you go. It's going to be difficult. Yeah. There's going to be a struggle involved. So there's no perfect job that you just show up to and you're happy all day long and you never actually feel like you're working. Like it's not quite like that. You have to apply your passion mm. and then you find kind of joy at the end of the day or you find joy in the moment. Something happens there. But when you're meeting a need, there's a real sense of fulfillment that if you, your passion is actually uh, colliding with a need. And that's what I do. I think that's calling. And at least if it's not calling in the sense that like I've really found my calling, yeah. then it's at least vocation that is falling underneath the, that area of general calling mm-hmm. that the Lord's put on your life. That's and so Brandon, one of, the, one of the biggest things that woke me up was that when I really glorify the Lord is when I'm being the best I can be mm. wherever I'm planted at that moment in time. That's so good. So when I first started my career, there were some pretty boring, menial jobs, but always showed up on time, always took the exact amount of time for my breaks, and I got to where people knew they could trust me. They didn't have to micromanage to make sure that I'm getting the job done and then I look for ways where hey we can do this better and innovate and that is that's glorifying the Lord yeah even if I'm working at McDonald's that's a way that I can glorify the Lord right now and and that process and self-discipline is what opened the door to the next cool job and the next Mm. cool job and I have to say if I didn't if I thought this was just a loser job and I didn't really need to apply myself, mm. those doors would have never opened. Totally. And I got to ask you real quick, Tammy, did you just give a profile of somebody that you would hire? 
Pretty much. It's like when you say those things, like here as a person who hires pastors, you know, or who hires people into the church, I go, that's what we're looking for. Right. We're just dying to have people come in here and meet the needs at hand and serve with high integrity yes. and with passion, regardless of what the what the job role is. And those people that do, there's often some sort of opportunity. Yeah. And it's I, the same I feel in the like business that's what, world. what Tammy just said. You know, I mean, it's like she's talking about her own path, and that would be my experience too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's so good. So much good stuff right there. I, I think um, I kind of want to I want to go a little bit deeper on, on that idea about kind of discovering your passion or discovering your calling, because I think that that's that's such a big question that's being asked by our culture right now. And I think that especially in the church, we or we get this idea that like. I have to have like an audible voice encounter with the Lord in order to know, oh, well, like, God, what, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go to school? Who am I supposed to marry? Like we have these big questions and it's like we just sit and wait for the Lord to answer us. And sometimes that sitting and waiting just draws out. And I feel like oftentimes the Lord's saying like, no, you need to just go and do something and begin to apply yourself like what you're saying, Tammy. What, what does that process look like? If you're a person that's like asking the Lord, reveal a calling to me, but you're not really getting an answer, what would you say? Like, how do you, how do you actually go about discovering that passion that you're talking about? So I would say the, the first step is to just continue on the path. He gave us a brain. He gave mm-hmm. us ideas, inspiration. Find anything to start. Um, it doesn't have to be a paying job. It can be a serving job. Just something to get started and get out there with people. Mm-hmm. And that's when you'll start to see answers to those questions. So it's not always an audible voice. There's much of my career that I was like, wow, am I even on the right path? Right. And the, the answer is you do the best you can with what you're given today. Mm-hmm. And we won't, we can't miss it. So um, my little sister, there was I was praying about something and really worried about. Well, I just I need to make sure I make the right decision. Mm-hmm. And she goes, "Don't you think God's gonna know exactly how to point you in the right direction when it's time for you to move?" I'm like, "Yeah, but what if I miss it? Right? Are you serious? It's God." <laughs> I mean, he could drop a newspaper and just hover it right in front of your face with the job. If if that's what he wants to do, he can do anything. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about missing it. Just do your best right now, wherever you're at. That's good. Yeah. I think life really is a process of um, of that very idea that God is God has something for us, but he can put something right in front of our, our faces, and we can say no. You know, yes. like we can, but he's, but he's diligent. You know, he stays with us. So people that walk away from him, he, he follows after. He's always calling, you know. You want to come back? You want to come back? The, product, the prodigal son is a perfect example of it. Because it's not that God doesn't let us go on our own path for a season. It's that he's always there. And eventually, you know, you would hope that you come to a place and the Holy Spirit moves you to a place where you're asking those questions you know, is home really so bad as I thought it was? Or, or is it really the best place I can be? And then you return to the Lord. And I think it's like, just like that, you know, basically if I, if I, as I listen to Tammy, I think that's the example. Like we're, we walk through life and we see what the Lord is doing. We ask questions. And then when he reveals something, then, then we, we, we try and follow after him. And I think it's a heart posture, you know? Mm-hmm. So if your heart is in a posture where you want to surrender and you want to ask the Lord, 
what he's doing, then you have the opportunity to join with him. If you're not sure, you can figure out how to walk the other direction. But I feel like he's always like right there uh, reminding you and, and, and you just have to pay attention. Um, so yeah, that's calling is a, is an interesting thing. Totally. Yeah. But they're so, they're so interconnected though. This idea of, if you actually look at the, the Latin word for vocation, it it is calling. It's, it's the same concept. And so I think that like what you're saying, Tammy, like there are people that are in the corporate world, but God has absolutely called them there. And that's, and that is their, that's their kuleana. It's their responsibility to, to invest in and see the kingdom of God be released in that, in that context, not only through the, um, the practical, like, Oh, this is giving me an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody, but I'm actually contributing to something really good in society and seeing the world become a better place through what I'm doing. Even if it's just like in keeping to my lunch break, instead of, you know, taking advantage of the time that I have off or whatever it is, it's not always a complicated thing, but let's just kind of make this practical. Um, say I'm a person that's in a, a job that maybe I don't love, but it's, it's a position that I'm kind of, I find myself in and I want to know how I can see God's kingdom be released in my context, even if it's not a ministry job or if it's not a job where I'm directly working with influencing hundreds of people like you were, Tammy, but I'm just in a position where I'm, I'm trying my best to see, uh, my vocation as a calling, but I don't really know how that works. Do you want to just kind of just talk to that point for a second? I'm going to take this one at least right off the bat because Here's what I think of. What if we ask ourselves a question to reveal a little bit of what's behind that question? What if we asked ourselves, is it possible that God could put me in an uncomfortable situation? (laughs) And see what our answer is to that. Hmm. Because if our answer, if we go, hmm, God, would you put me in an uncomfortable situation? And the answer is, he would never do that to me. He would never allow me to be in a place where I experienced some sort of struggle or tension with another human being or did something that I didn't want to do at that moment. Well, that could not be God, you know. And if we interpret our lives in that fashion, then we will always be unhappy hmm. because what we'll be doing, what we'll realize about ourselves is that all we're doing is pursuing some sort of sensual pleasure or something like that. We're just always looking for the thing that makes us happy at the moment. But then when we asked, if we were asked that question and the answer were, was, yes, God would allow me to be uncomfortable. Wow, if I'm uncomfortable, I might actually be shaped as a human being. I might actually overcome something. Um, then we might see a little bit more of what God is actually doing and how he's at work. And we might not interpret some of our uncomfortable situations as the opposite of the will of the Lord. Right. <laughs> and we might see he's up to something making us better people. So I, I don't know. There are questions like that that I always think we have feelings that move us toward questions like, God, I, I want to know my call. Mm-hmm. And then we interpret that through the way that we feel at a given moment. And that's when we get ourselves in trouble. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, our feelings are very deceptive. You always think just a little bit more mm-hmm. and then I'll be happy. And I, I can tell you there's never enough. You have to reset and rethink how how you define what the lord's doing and especially when like thinking of when you lift a weight that muscle's not real happy that you're making it lift a weight but that's the only way that it'll grow and that's exactly why we get in uncomfortable relationships with co-workers and uncomfortable work environments 
I truly believe it's to grow us for something else. But if we choose not to grow, if we choose to get bitter and frustrated and complain, then we're going to be there for a long time, maybe even like 40 Mm -hmm. years wandering (laughs) through the wilderness. (laughs) Um, But if we choose to, okay, how can I grow? And so some of the actual practical things are whenever I am in a position where I'm unhappy, Mm. I literally look up what's the greatest things that people have ever done in this position. Mm. And it just kind of resets you, and you can Google that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it just kind of gives you a new frame of reference. And it, it's, uh, and then obviously in your prayer time, talking to the Lord, what do you want me to learn? Because we don't often ask him questions. Yeah. Because we really don't always want to hear an answer. We want to be our own God, and we want to say, oh, I got this, even though I'm not liking it right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so asking the hard questions of the Lord and then still applying yourself as much as possible to do the best you can in that current situation. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, and when you start asking questions like, what should I be doing? Trying to ask questions that are much more along the lines of uh, what's the best thing that I can think of doing? What really breaks my heart? Right. What breaks the Lord's heart? Getting in right. tune with what scripture actually says. Uh, there are some very simple answers to the questions of calling that can be found in the Bible. Yeah. And that's something I think we often overlook because we don't need to go a whole lot further than you know looking at the word love and seeing that Je- what Jesus did with his own life to find a few simple things to get us started. Uh, And if we can do that, then it can progress to some pretty amazing visions that the Lord will give us, uh, uh, things that we can walk out in life, things that we can see, you know, ways that we can help people that are more specific, less general. But I think it's okay to start with the general, you know. What does it look like to love my neighbor? What does it look like to love somebody in the proximity where I'm at? How can I love the people I'm working with currently? Uh, Those sorts of things are really important questions when it comes to calling. Because if you're not doing that, you're just never going to be happy. You got to have a bigger a bigger reason for living and doing the things that you're doing. That's well, good. And even when you're unemployed, your your calling is your family. Yeah. And you're surrounded by sometimes some people that you're like, how'd this happen? But that's that's who God wanted you to grow and develop. And mm-hmm. so one of the philosophies my husband and I have is to try to outlove each other. Mm. That's really hard work. <laughs> Especially when you marry a great guy like I did, um, because it's like, oh, now I have so much more that I want to strive to do and doing the same thing for your children. So, again, even if you're unemployed, you can you have a calling. It's right there. It could be your neighbors Mm. like you were sharing on Sunday. It's there's people all around you that need to feel loved and appreciated and when you start doing that, all of a sudden you're going to start feeling loved and appreciated. That's good. Yeah. So, so since we're here talking about work, I kind of want to want to bring you guys some questions practically from your own lives. Um, I mean, Joel, you've been working in, in ministry for a long time, and I know that you've had your ups and downs and different seasons in, in doing that. But where have you kind of, I know that you've identified this is the calling that the Lord has on my life, and this time I'm going to invest my life is through this vocational ministry. How, how have you seen the Lord show up as you've begun, begun to, to live into that calling that he's given you? Um, I almost feel like asking a clarifying question. Right. Um, and that it. is, do you want me to tell you some of the highlights, or would you like to, me to tell you how I ended up? 
in uh, in this thing that I do consider a calling, vocational ministry. Yeah, no, I, I would love to to hear a little bit about that that journey, that process that kind of okay. brought you into it. Well. I don't know if I'm the right guy to talk to about it because I never <laughs> sat around and thought I wanted to be a pastor. Um, I found myself kind of being drugged into uh, pastoral ministry. And as I reflect upon it, I'll tell you one of the really cool experiences I can look back on. When I was about 13 years old, I, I went to a Christian school, um, but I didn't want to have anything to do with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so I was really in a sense of rebellion at that time. But they had a prophet come to the school, and, and I'm not a, a real hyper-charismatic guy. I mean, I really love to see the Spirit move, but you know, I would not be labeled as Pentecostal, I guess. But I, I love the Spirit, and I love what the Lord does, but here's, the, uh, here's this prophet coming up, and he's got a word to speak over me, and I didn't want to have anything to do with anything in the Lord. And he walks right up to me in this group, because uh, they were prophesying over our entire class. Okay, it's a Christian school, right? Yeah. And he walks around, and he's talking, he's like, hey, little Lucy, you know, like, I see you running Circle K, you know, for the rest of your life, whatever. That's not true, you know, just disclaimer. Whatever. But uh, it felt like that. But he walks right up to me, and he says, young man, you're going to be a pastor. And I said, beep, no, I'm not. <laughs> And that's just where I was in those moments. But I can look back on that, and I can see that the Lord was actually at work. Well, when I was 18 or 19, I, I went, I guess, yeah, I was 18 or 19 years old. I remember the first time somebody told me I had leadership potential, and it was never even a concept I had thought of. I got out of high school, went to something called Youth of the Mission, and I was there, and they said, we, we think you have leadership potential. I'm like, you guys think I'm a leader? Cool. You know, I don't even know what that means. But I remember leaving that place for the first time starting to think about, like, what does that mean to lead people in the ministry? And it didn't matter at that point, uh, but that was the first time I remember somebody really saying something like that to me, and it began to awaken something. Hmm. But I, I didn't, I didn't want it to remain awake. I literally wanted to go into the Air Force and, and, and fly a jet airplane. That's what I wanted to do. And so that's the route that I tried to take, and that was shut down for me, even after getting a full-ride scholarship to a school in California and going through a year of ROTC in the Air Force. Then they said, hey, you had asthma as a kid. You're, you're medically unfit to be able to, to join the Air Force, you know? And, like, everybody has asthma. I don't know if I just didn't was the one who didn't lie about it or what, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, that's, that's what happened to me. And so I kept having to return. I was invited to pastor. Uh, and I said, okay, I'll say yes to a year. And then I went to California to become a jet pilot. Then I couldn't do that. So I returned to pastoring and I, I asked the Lord and he said, I want you to devote yourself to it. And so I gave it three years. And then after three years, I went back to school and kept saying, I don't want to be a pastor. I'd rather be a missionary than a pastor, you know? Um, and I just found myself in that struggle. Uh, maybe part of it was I kept having to return to my hometown Tucson as well. But in the end, I, I think I was in my late 20s finally, and I started pastoring at 20 years old, so it was almost wow. a decade before I sat down and kind of had an honest conversation with the Lord, and I said, are we gonna, am I going to have to do this the rest of my life? <laughs> and he's kind of like, yeah, this is your deal. And I, there was a moment of, you know, like I had to go through whatever needed to be crucified in those, those hours or days, but I'll tell yeah. you what, a switch flipped. And when I was finally invested... I found a lot more peace. There wasn't tension. There wasn't as much turmoil. I just said, this is the call the Lord has for me. And so I just went for it, you know, and so I've just, and that's just what the Lord has. <laughs> and I, I don't regret it. And that's what I do look back on. Sometimes I do look at 
how I wished I could have uh, been a pilot like that. Um, and I still have those feelings, but when I compare the two, I go, no, I don't regret it. I, I've invested where the Lord has asked me to invest, and, and, and I'll be content with that. That's really good. Awesome. What about you, Tammy? What's You're going to have to refresh my memory. What's the, what's the journey been like for you, kind of discovering the, the kuleana, the responsibility, the, the occupation that the Lord has for you, and then how has he shown up in that and proven, proven himself faithful in that process? So um, early in my career, I realized, hmm, I should probably be tithing because we're supposed to give 10%. There's no way I can give 10%. I can't live if I do that. So I started giving a little bit, and then I gave a little bit more, and I built up till I could hit, woo, I'm at 10%. Um, but just that little step of obedience all of the sudden, I started to receive unmerited favor. I mean, mm. to the point where I would get a raise, a promotion, and it was really cool. I'm running and bragging to my parents and my family, and to the point where it got embarrassing. And so it's like, okay, I can't tell them I got a fourth promotion in like five months. Um, and so. I would say that that's one of the ways is just by taking itty-bitty steps of obedience, stuff I didn't want to do. I, want, I had plenty of wish lists that I could have spent that money on, but um, taking a step of obedience, he, he just showed me, you know what, when you, when you do this, the floodgates are going to open. All of a sudden, what I was tithing on originally was like, now it was like a big scary number that I was writing down to stick mm -hmm. to the 10%. Um, but so unmerited favor is one of those ways that I've known that, oh, mm -hmm. the Lord's happy with what I'm doing. Um, another is just seeing the lives that I was working with be impacted. And I'm not the kind of person that I use work to, to proselytize everybody. Mm -hmm. I really believe that if I'm doing the best job I can do, that I get enough attention that now I can speak into somebody's life. That's and good. so my um, employees, it was not unusual for them to go, hey, I'm dealing with this situation at home. What, what is your opinion? Hmm. And, it's, and it's like, you're asking me? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's because they saw the character that I was displaying on my everyday job and, um, and seeing that I had a wonderful marriage at home and the, the fruit was was there in my life and that's what gave me an opportunity to speak into people's lives many times I saw somebody come to work with oh I need to fix these people and yeah. lead them to the Lord and it just turned them off so I really believe you got to earn the right to speak into somebody's life especially yeah. when it's about something as intimate as turning the reins over to the mm -hmm. Lord so that's good. Yeah, I love how you bring up that that concept of influence um, because that Joel, you really did bring up a really great point when you when you preached a couple weeks ago about if if you're seen as an expert in your job and you really devote yourself yes. and do an amazing job at that, people are going to look at you as as an expert in other areas of your life as well. And I know you've experienced that in your life, Tammy, where people began to come to you and say, "Hey, I, I need advice on this thing that's really personal because." I trust you, and I trust the influence that you've you've uh, developed. And so, um, I guess that whole idea of like 
it's faithfulness, really, when you, when you think about it. It's like God gives you a certain measure of influence and authority in the position that you're in. And then that increases as he increases your character and as he, as he grows you. But that is a process. And so it's something that I think both of you have both demonstrated over years and years and years of your life in, in ministry and in um, the corporate world, really just dedicating yourself to following the Lord. And the Lord has given you influence because of that. And now we're seeing the fruit of that in, in both of your lives. And we really hope that through conversations like these that we begin to see people in our congregation and people who are viewing online beginning to, uh, to really deepen the relationship with Christ and realize that where, where people are at right now, it really does matter. And I think that so many people get caught up in this, in this place where they're like, I don't know if what I'm doing matters. I don't know if what I'm doing is really advancing the kingdom of God. You know, I'm not on the stage, you know, and I'm not um, preaching in front of thousands of people. I'm not uh, actively um, sharing my faith at work or whatever it is, but I really do believe what you're saying, Tammy, is true. Like, as God gives you influence, he also empowers you to continue to grow and, and, and expand his kingdom through the influence that he's given you. Yeah. So I really appreciate both of you being here today. I think both of you are incredible, and uh, I really look forward to our next conversation. So, thank you. Thank you thank so you. much for uh, for watching the Living Streams podcast. Uh, make sure to subscribe uh, for future episodes. Thank you so much. This has been a production of Living Streams Church in Phoenix, Arizona. If you like what you heard, please visit us at livingstreams.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.